This program is intended for mature audiences only. Altitude adjustment may contain language, images, or other content that some may find offensive. Your discretion is advised. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. Good afternoon. It's 2 p.m. Central Time on March the 26th. I'm Leon Davis along with Warren Harper. And you're listening to Altitude Adjustment. How are you doing today, brother? I am doing just peachy. Excellent. Peachy. That is excellent. So, so the conversation that we were having today before the show started had to do with a comedian, Al Sadiq, who made some claims um, on the Joe Rogan show as if Joe Rogan wasn't in enough, had been in enough controversy over the past 360 days. And so I don't know, I, you know, maybe Joe Rogan has decided to thumb his nose at all of that. What do you think? I know you haven't heard the clip yet because I, I just sent that to Warren. But well, you know. Joe Rogan is still getting paid the big bucks. So my take on that is what he's doing is working for him. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have a problem with people being controversial. I just think that controversial at the expense of other people. I mean, if you're going to be controversial, be controversial about yourself. Don't be controversial about about someone else's life. Is that is that a fair way to approach it, or do we just? Oh yeah, that, I mean, we can feel that way, but uh, as long as we have free speech, uh, who's going to be the uh, watchdog for that, and who's going to determine what what you can and can't say? Well, yeah, I, I get that. I wasn't trying to to say you know that we should have a watchdog, but but self regulation. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna create controversy, create it about yourself. Don't don't create it at the expense of someone else. Because you, you know you you have no idea what damage you could do to someone else's world by just creating controversy in an attempt to, you know, and I'm not saying he's he's creating controversy for his benefit, but it does benefit him. And so I think he should be responsible for any controversy that he creates. And so how do you hold them accountable? I, I'm not. Okay. I don't. You, you, so you're thinking he should be. I'm, I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the, I'm not trying to put a, get put in a system where we hold him accountable. I'm saying he should hold himself accountable. And so I'm asking you, what do you think of, you know, telling someone that they should hold themselves accountable for their actions? What do I think of telling the person they should hold themselves accountable? Right. You know, I mean, uh, do you think that that's a reasonable expectation that that people should hold themselves accountable for the actions that they take? Well, yeah, it's a reasonable expectation, but that doesn't uh, force them to do it. And like I was saying before, uh, personalities like Joe Rogan, with the money they're making, you know, uh, it's kind of hard to expect them not to walk away from all of that if if they're being paid that well. All righty. <laughs> so, 
So today we're going to talk a little bit about oil and gas. Uh, um, the reason that that the the topic became a hot issue for us uh, was the current situation. You know, Warren has to go out and buy gas. I'm I'm not out there buying gas, and you know, he got pretty pumped pissed, if that's a term I can use. Pumped pissed. He's out there paying at the pump, and he's like, "What the hell is all? You know, what what the hell is going on here? This is kind of fucked up." Yeah, well, you know, at the end of the day, you buy the gas or you find an alternative. And what are the alternatives? EV that I can't afford, you know, uh, public transportation sucks right here in St. Louis. Uh, so I'll, I'll be driving, just driving less. Right. I understand that. But but one of the questions that you had, which I thought was a, a, an interesting question was, it has been years since I have seen a, a fuel tanker at a service station dropping off petrol. Right. And it, it you can almost daily see price changes. You know, they do it in the evening when there's not a lot of traffic, but you have to think, how long does it take to use up the petroleum that they have? Um, and, and what precipitates the change in price for petroleum that they've already got, they already have in their, in their tanks underground, and now they're repricing that. You know, how, how, does, that, how does that make sense? So like the, the I'm, my, my guess is, and I don't know for sure, maybe somebody who's listening or who hears this knows if the service station pays in advance for a delivery. So in other words, you know, there's a, a delivery of gas and, and whether they're billed at the time of delivery or they're billed later, it has, it ha there is a cost associated with getting that gas into those tanks underground. Now, how do you change if that tank is not emptied and, and the gas is not being replaced? How do you justify changing the price of the gas that that service station has underground? How do you, how do you change that price? Yeah, I, I, I think as long as they can change it at will, they're going to do it. Because number one, if they see an opportunity to make more money and there's nothing stopping them, they're going to do it. That's free market practice, right? Well, I, okay. I, 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 um, did you get a message there? Uh, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I had it on do not disturb, but apparently <laughs> the dang comes on. Okay. So, so. So one of the things that, that I'm looking at and I'm asking a question about, um, you know, their service stations have, they're affiliated with big oil companies. Right. You know, if, if, if they say BP on a station, they're not getting oil from, you know, a company not associated with BP. And I, I, so I understand that. And I don't know if there's an agreement that 
the company tells them what price to charge for that petroleum that's underneath the ground in those tanks. You know, the, the, the oil company comes by, they fill up those tanks, and and I'm, I'm guessing that the company is then told, you know, this is what the price is you're going to have to charge per gallon for this fuel. Now, before that fuel is moved, uh, you know, is used up, there could be a price change. And I'm, I'm curious as to how that that comes about. How do, how do you justify changing the price of that fuel that that you've already delivered? Well, yeah, I mean, that they I don't think they have to justify it because the law allows them to do it. What I think is happening is they're looking at the market and if they see oil goes up or whatever, they see that as an opportunity to make more money. Oh, we can raise our price a couple of pennies. And then the station across the street, uh, they may do it simultaneously, both seeing the same opportunity. And at the same time, if the guy across the street drops his price and you say, oh, well, they dropped the price, they might get some of my customers. They dropped their price. Has nothing to do with what they paid for their gas. It's kind of a competitive thing. Compet competition and opportunity. So I, opportunity to make more money. I, I can understand that. So here, so here's <clears throat> here's a scenario I'm looking at. So the summer driving season happens every year, like it has happened every year over the past 40, 50 years, right? Right. Every summer, gas prices go up. Mm -hmm. If you know that you're going to have a an increase in um an increase in driving Travel. why wouldn't you ease the price change by by averaging out for the year what kind of your expectations of delivering oil and then set that price so that you don't have to change it every summer every winter but you can make one adjustment per year Hmm. I don't know. Mathematically, that might might make sense, but since the price changes can be volatile and unpredictable, I mean, some like when the war happened. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you figure for that? You know, uh, pipeline bursts. Mm -hmm. You can't predict that. So I think they more or less take an opportunistic approach. We're gonna make the maximum profit and still be able to compete with the station across the street. So they're watching each other, they're watching the market, and they're just trying to maximize their profit off of those two things. That's the way I think it's working. Oh, okay. So uh, yell at Fred real quick. He's gonna be heading out. He, he, he ducked his head in. Really appreciate you tuning in, Fred. He's gonna be headed out to The Choice. What's that address at The Choice, uh, Fred? Fred's going to be playing today. So if you're in St. Louis, uh, uh, you can get down, go down and see Fred playing at the choice. Um, yeah, going I, back down there. I understand I what, what you're saying as far as the unpredictability of like the war, but you don't have a war every year. No, you don't. And so price fluctuations are, are 
supply fluctuations can be accounted for in projections. Right. When you talk about oil profits, when you talk about oil profits, to say to me that they can't reasonably ex understand what they're going to be able to deliver on an annual basis, I'm not buying. Okay. I'm believing that they can, that they can on a regular basis or on a, on a consistent basis, identify what they can and can't deliver. And if that's the case, then all of the several fluctuations each cycle, and we'll call it a year, a cycle, mm -hmm. are actually unnecessary. If they're unnecessary, then all of those changes in between are gouges. Okay. So is gouging illegal? Well, I, <laughs> I'm just saying they're looking at it from from that point of view. How much money can we make? I understand that, and 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 so we regulate oil companies to some degree. You mean pricing? Pricing, okay. uh, resources, uh, leasing, drilling. All of that stuff's reg regulated to some degree. So if we don't understand the business, it's going to be difficult to regulate the business. Yeah. So I'm asking the question, is it reasonable to expect an oil company to be able to project usage over a 12-month uh, period set a price that they can live with and only make changes in dire emergencies. Is it reasonable to expect merchants to do that? Might be reasonable, but I don't think people in business are trying to be reasonable for, to other people. I think they're trying to be reasonable for their own pockets. To some degree, I agree with that, but I think, um, I think there are honest business people out there. Okay. There are people who operate from a standpoint that I am trying to deliver the best product at the best price to my customers. Okay. Now I'm not, I'm not trying to cash dispersions, Aspersions, dispersions. I'm trying to, to denigrate the oil industry. I'm trying to say that the current business model of changing prices midweek is hard on families. Okay. So maybe we should push them to set an annual price that they then have to live with for 12 months except in dire emergencies and just like um and just like utility companies have to go to have to go before um their controlling boards before their price increases then the oil companies also has to go before a controlling board 
to adjust their prices. So you're saying that you think there should be price controls, regulated price controls on the industry. I, I think that's that's a yes. Let's let's do that. Let's okay. look at that as a possibility. Okay. That that's a possibility, but I'm surprised that you would say that being a conservative business guy. I don't know if I'm a conservative business guy, but I'm a business guy. Okay. Okay. Yes, I'd like to have that control, but I also know that um, that certain times that companies have to be regulated. Right. Companies have to be regulated. So help me understand the justification for a business model where in a week, the price of your product can change several times based on speculation and not based on actual physical occurrences. So there was an, an speculation or anticipation that there might be an interruption in the, in the flow of gasoline because of the, um, because of the Ukraine invasion. Uh -huh. If that did not take place and the price of gas changed based on that speculation, then there's a, then there's a problem, isn't there? People are paying for speculation. People are paying at the pump based on speculation. Now, did the company realize, let's say that the price, that the flow of oil did not change because of, um, because of the, the Ukraine invasion. Right. Is, the, is the oil company then reducing the price of petroleum to give back that added uh, income that they made based on speculation? Oh, I seriously doubt that. So giving back. Right. And so, and so my, my concern is, is that if a business is operating unfairly to the customer, uh -huh. I, 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 as a business person, I believe that, that a company should have flexibility in managing how it interacts with the company. I mean, how it interacts with it, um, its customers. Okay. But when companies, when we can identify that companies don't seem to be, or there's questions about how fairly they are treating their customers, what is the recourse? What do we do? How, how, do, we, how do we encourage companies to always put the customer at the top of the list? That's a tough question. That is a tough question because companies are always going to complain and clap back if they feel they're not allowed to make the profits that they feel they should make. And I think the bottom line is what drives most companies, most industries, most businesses. That's the sole focus more so than the customer. Okay. So we're looking at a battle. Right. I, 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 as a, as a person that believes in 
Um, individuals being able to start a business, individuals being able to operate and manage a business. I think that allows greater creativity, greater flexibility. It allows competition. Okay. Yeah. So when companies violate that, when, when companies, um, aren't offering their best products, aren't offering the best in service, aren't um, making sure that their products are safe. And, you know, there has to be some, some over some, some agency, some way to ensure the protections for the customer. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we, allow companies the flexibility to run their business, but don't, but protect the, the consumer. How do, how do we do that? How do we avoid, uh, consumer protection is what you're asking. No, how do we add, how do we, how do we give companies flexibility mm-hmm. in managing their business and protect the consumer? Because those aren't necessarily at odds with each other, but they are competing concepts. Right. Well, I think that regulation has to be put forth, put into the um, industries that the businesses will have to follow. Otherwise, uh, I don't think we can expect the average business to put the customer above profits. Give you an example if you look compare the united states to a lot of other countries around the world we are so much lacking in regulating industries when it comes to safety uh toxic chemicals uh dangerous products uh, even in the united states some states do a much better job of restricting uh hazardous materials or products uh, to the uh, customers. Like California, for example, they have some very restrictive laws when it comes to consumer safety. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you look at labels, California stands out because they have exclusive restrictions that other states don't even seem to care about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, and good. It's a governmental thing, Uh, I don't think our government is really as consumer uh, oriented or focused as they want you to think they are. Well, okay. So, so I, I, I can easily say, I think that our government has, has leaned more towards business. So from the Ronald Reagan era, the, the whole um, um, supply side economics is about supporting business more than supporting the public's need to access business. So that was, uh, giving businesses breaks, right? Giving businesses, um, more help, you know, delivering their products and services than it was protecting the consumer from bad businesses or ensuring that the consumer um, wasn't taken advantage of by business. And so I'm looking at as a, as a consumer, 
I'm looking at as a consumer that that my gas prices at the pump can change on a daily basis. I'm looking yeah. at as a business person how businesses can operate optimally. Understanding a year's projection, five years projections, those are a standard part of or should be a standard part of operating a business. Because if you don't have projections, how do you react? There are businesses that react on a stimulus only basis. In other words, um, if something happens, then I change my business. I don't project growth. I just grow if my business is take if my business takes off. And I'm not saying that every business is going to operate in an optimal way, but if you don't have projections, you and, and you're not tracking your business on a daily on a regular basis, it's hard to determine what to do next. Because if you don't if from year to year you're not keeping track of business fluctuations and what causes those business fluctuations, you have no idea how to change your business. So if one season you sell more widgets than another season and you don't understand what drove that increase in sales, you don't know whether to ramp up your business or to handle this on a seasonal basis because you have to keep track of why and and what occurred. And so in doing that, it gives you some idea of what your business is going to look like or possibly look like over the next year, two years, three years. And so all I'm saying is oil companies have operated long enough to know what an annual um, production uh, schedule that they need to have to meet demand. Okay. Already the AAA can tell people how many additional miles are going to be driven for the summer, for the summer travel months. They already know around Christmas, around Thanksgiving that, that they're going to be increased travel. Yeah, that's true. They they often uh, make those predictions and tell people what they see. Exactly. So yeah. if, if AAA, which is not the oil company, understands those pr predictions, shouldn't the oil company pr understand those predictions? Sure. If the oil company understands those predictions, then why are they surprised by uh, a weekly uh, price change? That, no problem that you're late. I'm glad you joined it, Tara. Um, I don't, you know, different people are paying. You know, Tara says uh, she pays over $5 a now of a gallon. Where and, is she? Yeah, you said that's cheap. <laughs> she, must, she must not be in California. I understand they're paying... Uh, over five dollars too, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, well. So I'm just saying, if if AAA understands that, and other agencies, 
you know, that deal with motor vehicle transportation understand these fluctuations. Don't the oil companies have that information so that they can create an annual expectation for gas? I'm sure they uh, they have the information, but it's it's how they use it. So I mean, so if they, create, they what is their focus? So if they create an annual expectation, so they understand the annual expectation, they then ease the pressure on their customers, wouldn't they? Wouldn't that be if you knew you was going to pay? Uh, $3.75 a gallon or $4. I'm picking a number that's, you know, that's easy. It could be $6 a gallon and, and nobody's going to like that for a whole year. But if you understand that that's what it takes for the whole year to deliver you gas, then you understand why you're paying that. Right now, people don't understand why they're paying the price that they're paying for gas. And it fluctuates on a, it can fluctuate on a daily basis. And all I'm saying is, if you know that you're causing a heartache for your customers, wouldn't you want to move to a model that builds better for your customers? Well, like I keep saying, the, the, the businesses are focusing on proper uh, profit. And they want to, they want to compete. If they set their prices at a certain level based on the predictions that you gave, yet their competition across the street is following a different model. When the competition prices drop, their sales are going to go down. So I think they can't just focus on that long-term thing. They have to compete with each other. So I think that's one part of the problem. You know, if a guy across the street drops his, his prices a nickel per gallon cheaper, he's going to get the business until, until you level out. So that's going to, you know, affect your bottom line, even though you think what you're doing is fair. And, and here's what I thought, I think. Over the course of a year, if you are treating your customers fairly, with your price and gas, the guy that fluctuates on a weekly basis isn't going to have better prices over the full year than you are projecting out the full year. Because there are going to be times when he's lower than you, but there are going to be times when he's higher than you. Well, and when he goes over and when he goes and when he goes higher than you, Where's your, where, the, where are customers going to go? They're going to come right back to you. But if you, if a customer knows, you know what? I don't have to drive past Joe's uh, service station to look at prices, to see what price he's got, to decide if I'm going to go to Mark's service station. If I know Mark is charging me $5 a gallon flat out, all year, I can always go get it for $5. Am I going to drive past Joe's? I'm going to spend that extra gallon of gas to drive past Joe's to see what his price is? No. I know where well, I can get it for $5 every day for the next six. 
I'm, I'm driving to, to, to the one where I can get it, where I know the price, and, and I'll leave that fluctuating mess to somebody else. But, but first of all, the next station isn't a gallon of gas away. It's right across the street. And if your wallet is low, <laughs> that, that extra five bucks or whatever to fill up your tank is, is going to be making a big difference. Okay. So as a consumer, it, it, it's, it's a lot more. The competition affects us, you know. You got you to gotta look at your wallet at the time you need to buy the gas instead of uh, averaging out for a year. Really? So you don't, yeah. you don't, you don't understand. Okay. Here's what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. If you know that you're going to pay a certain price for gas and you ha- understand what kind of gas you, you drive in a week, you're going to, there may be time. If you're a, if you are a person, person that buys on sales, then yeah, that's, you, you're going to always look for the cheapest and you're going to, however that is. If you're somebody that looks at your finances and understand what you can and can't pay, having a steady price always allows you to know exactly what you're going to pay and exactly what your bills are going to be. Well, the problem is there is no steady price to base your... Uh, I understand that, but we're ab- talking about concepts. You're talking hypothetically. We're, we're talking concepts. Okay. And not, we're talking, so so in order to get to a, a place of where we have an annual gas price, we have to at least explore the idea, right? Yeah. Have you ever heard of the idea before now? Not really. Okay. So Nobody's talking about that. Is that, is that a... You, you're right. They're not talking about it. And there's a reason they're not talking about it because the gas okay. companies don't, I mean, the oil companies don't want, probably don't want you to talk about it. Exactly. That, I agree. Okay. I agree. But I, I have, I, so there's, there's a difficulty here. An oil company wants to sell me gasoline. They know that I am unhappy with, Gas prices fluctuating, but they won't do anything about it. Right. Because they got the gas and you need it. You're going to buy it. One but they're not doing anything about it. My companies that I support, when I, when I drive up to their pump, are not doing what I need for them to do to make my life easier. Right? Yeah. So all I'm saying by this conversation is, is it reasonable that we, we start to ask our, our um, oil and gas companies to set prices on a regular basis so that, so that we know, so that we can trust that price? When it fluctuates on a daily basis and we know that that gasoline has been sitting in that ground. We know that that gas has been bought and paid for to get to that service station and it's sitting in the ground. And you're fluctuating the prices on me and I'm going, why? 
Why am I paying a different price per gallon for what's underground? Not that you delivered it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. It's, it's, it's a competitive thing. You know, they're, they're not looking at that average that you spoke of. They're looking at who's going to get the most dollars that day. <laughs> I, I'm, I, again, I, I agree I, with what you're saying. It makes I, sense. I understand how you see that. I, I'm going to give them some the benefit of the doubt and say there may be other business pressures that are causing them to to live with fluctuating prices at the pump. I don't there's there's not enough transparency. There's not enough transparency in the oil industry for me to understand the fluctuating prices at the pump. But as a business person, I understand projections. Thanks, Tara. I understand your projects. I understand projections. I understand the reason for projections. I understand the need for projections. I understand how to deliver a product and a service to a customer that helps the customer that the business can live with. Right. You, you, you made a point that you want to help the customer. I, I want to help they, everybody. I want the business to, I want the business to flourish because if the business is not there to deliver the oil, we don't, we don't have the oil. So there's a need for them to flourish, but there's also a need to protect the customer. So let me say, as a, as a consultant, I look out at the customer. How do you, the whole point of a business isn't to make money. It's to help the customer. Well, because if, no. you're selling, if you're selling buggy whips, who's, blind, who's buying buggy whips? Right. Nobody's buying buggy whips. Right. So if you're selling a product that customers need, then the idea is how do we help the customer? And we have yeah. to make a living at delivering products and services to the customer. Delivering products and services, motivation for business. But to stay in business, people are gonna focus on profit. All right. Uh, Got to have that money coming in. And I think that's what drives the policies behind uh, how they operate. If they're if if they see one way they feel they're going to make more money, that's the way they're going to focus on operating the business. All right. And so so we have a system where we have re we have taken a hands off approach to business. To let businesses do what's right. And now we have questions as to whether businesses are doing what's right for the customer. So the question then becomes, how do we encourage business to do what's right for the customer? Is that a fair question? 
Oh, the question is fair. I think the big problem is in this system that we have is that anytime people get in the line of trying to um, steer businesses uh, or regulate businesses to do certain things, you know, people flat back. They a lot of times uh, people are talking about government, uh, small government. People want small government. They don't want the government in their business. They want to be able to do what they want to do. I agree. So so those are the people that are uh, pushing for a hands off approach to business. Yes. I'd like to I'd like to have a hands off approach to business. I'd like to have that because I think it allows people to shine. But if business takes their goods and services because, let's say, it's, it's something that you need. We, we need diapers. We need baby diapers, whether they're cloth or, or whatever. We need baby diapers um, to control what, you know, whatever. So if the company providing baby diapers is given a monopoly or they have a monopoly and they you they take and make predatory practices of that and not want to be able to provide goods and services on a fair basis do we just sit back and allow that because we want businesses to be profitable or we want businesses to operate you know, how, how, how far do we step back before we say, what is fair? What is fair? What is fair? Who determines what is fair? We have legislators that pass laws and set policies and, and we vote for those legislators, but We've had debates on that as far as what they do once they get in office. But you mentioned diapers. Funny thing, because the other day they were complaining about that. Now they want to readjust the uh, tax rate on diapers because somehow they became, uh, they were originally taxed as a luxury item at a higher percentage. Now, who on earth thought that diapers were luxury? whoever was behind writing the, the tax flaws or, or categorizing the items with taxes. I think we got to look at the people creating the laws and that affect our businesses and our government. Oh, I, I, I okay. So, you know, that can be a, a separate discussion about how we uh, do that. And so I want to, I want to make sure I'm, I'm addressing the oil and gas industry first yeah. and then and then yeah. put those things into perspective in another another show well what i'm saying is the people that regulate these industries you got to kind of look at them at the same time because they we're talking about regulation as far as setting prices and how they adjust the prices right that's part of it sure that's part of it so mm -hmm question is who's setting the regulations or 
I agree. So, yeah. but uh, but a part of setting the regulations is you have to have some transparency into the operations of the company, right? So, so, so at this point, at this juncture, because we have such a hands-off approach to business, we don't have that data to understand when a company is gouging and when a company is not. Right. So there may be a need to, there may be a need to, uh, have more visibility, more transparency in the price structure so that we have an idea when a company is gouging. And that doesn't necessarily mean um, that we share that. In, so like the government then has the ability to look in on your pricing and your structure. That at this point doesn't mean that they're have, have regulated anything, that they've changed anything, or that they're making that information available to other to your competitors. Because your pricing is important to keep from your competitors. Because if by looking at your pricing and understanding how you're pricing things and where you're buying your raw materials and all that kind of stuff, can be a competitive advantage for your uh, competitors. But in order to understand, but in order for the government to understand that you're operating uh, on a, uh, an honest level, they probably should have that information. They probably should be, have access to your pricing structure. How is honesty, uh, determined in, in how a business functions. How is honesty determined? Yeah. I mean, if I'm running a company, I'm selling a product. Um, this is my price that I set the product for who determines if I'm being honest, uh, what are the criteria for that? Well, I don't know if, I don't know if honesty at that point is important. If I know what your if I know what your 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 cost of production if I know what it takes, your costs associated from raw materials to to delivery to market delivery, then I understand what your costs are. Right. I know what your cost of raw materials. I know what your cost of uh, production, your cost of equipment, your cost of labor. So I see all of that. And then when you go to to market and you say, uh, I'm selling my product for $100. Each unit of my, each unit of my um, business is sold at $100. My production costs are $85. Okay. Okay. So I take a $15. Um, uh, Markup or a fifteen dollar yeah markup over the cost of production. Okay, that's not about honesty. It is what it is. These are my costs. This is what I'm selling it for. This is what I get. It's when you change your price of your end unit costs 
from $100 to $175, and your production costs don't change. There is nothing that changed in your production pipeline to warrant the $75 change. Well, in the free market system that we have, what should be determination of uh, where that price is set? Uh, again, you can set your price wherever you want to. Mm -hmm. Because the, the, the thing about the free market system is, um, if somebody else comes along and sells that item for $25 cheaper, which you pointed to gas across the street, a guy sells it for cheaper, <clears throat> then that's going to put downward pressure on your price. Right. And that's what, um, and that's what the, the competition does is it puts the downward pressure on runaway prices and that helps keep people honest in their pricing. So in other words, you don't go, you don't get to walk out and increase the price of your product three times because you, because you are the only one that produces that product. And so people have to come to you to get it. So honesty at that point, isn't an issue. It's when two companies produce the same product mm -hmm. And one company's production costs are $50 and the other production cost company's costs are $75. Then we have to look at why are your production costs so much higher? Okay. Are you padding your production costs so that you could increase the price of your product? And if, if this person, this company's production cost is $50 and this company's production cost is $75, then the first company decides oh, our production costs are $75. We, we, we misspoke. Then we know something is going on. There's probably some price, price fixing that's going on. But having that vision into the company is how we can protect the consumer. without infringing on the company. So as long as, let's say, the cost, the material, price of labor, taxes and all that stuff. Utilities, et cetera, buildings. Yeah, all that. Mm -hmm. Your production costs. Should, should there be a restriction on the final cost? Again. The, if, if there's a need to have a restriction on the final cost, it's because we've found some irregularities in how you set the final cost. Okay. Maybe By you were cheating or fudging the numbers. You're fudging numbers. We find that you're okay. fudging numbers. We find that you, that you call the other company up and said, Hey, look, you know, I want to make more than a dollar per widget. Uh, and if we both raise our, our prices at the same time, we can both make more money on this. Okay. Mm, I guess that might happen sometime. Well, the, the idea is, is to believe that people would not want to do that. 
that they that they thrive in competition. Having a competitive market is an opportunity for you to show your individualism, to show your ability to manage under stressful situations. But what we've seen is, is that sometimes that doesn't bring out the best in people. It brings out the absolute worst. Okay. So, so I, I want to see companies be challenged to be better. That's an interesting thought. To be better, does that mean to define be better? To deliver goods and services at a reasonable price to the consumer. Okay. Because that's the whole purpose of a business, isn't it? Well, in some people's mindsets, some people go into business strictly to make money and they'll. Okay. So, but we have can. to look at it from the perspective of the customer, right? Well, yeah, but customer here, business owner over here, they don't always have the same ideas. How, how can a, how can a business owner not have the same idea as a customer? Well, he may not be uh, providing the product that he claims he is. He could be saying, trying to make the product appear more high quality or better than it actually is. Then that's a bit of a, a dishonesty. Ad advertising does that a lot. That's a that's a bit of dishonesty, then, isn't it? Yeah. Then we, if we allow that to happen, then what we're allowing to happen is a business owner to prey on. Uh, the, the the public. Yeah, but and, how and, do you control advertising? Well, they, they already do have control advertising. You're not allowed to falsely advertise products. You're not allowed to say certain things in advertising. That's not true. So, so we're working towards that. Yeah, I, I look at products a lot of times and I usually look for, at reviews and it's amazing how some products can have such horrible reviews after, you know, making all these fantabulous claims about what they do. And I understand that. I, I'm just, so I'm, 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 so a system is going to need to, to be tweaked and worked to get to be a good system. Is it going to be 100% bulletproof? There is ample evidence that you're not going to make it 100% bulletproof because there are people who, for whatever reason, bought a product and want to return it. And the only way that they can return it is make a false claim about the product. You can't call that person a liar because you don't know. Okay. And it impacts the business. <clears throat> so making things bulletproof is going to be difficult, but the object is, is to protect as many people as possible in the system of a business providing goods and services to the public. Right? 
Well, that's the purpose of a business is to provide products, services to the public. And I think um, we just have to um, be our own, our own best protectors sometimes when we go buy things, because I know there's a lot of bad businesses out there selling things that just aren't what they're reported to be, you know, advertised to be. Buyer beware. Okay, so so there is a there is a component that government plays. There is a component that average consumers would play, and there is a proponent that the business plays. So in order for the system to be better for, and fairer for everyone, each has to play their part in making businesses better. That means customers leave reviews. So, uh, so the customer leaves a review and the customer has to um, leave a review that is fair. They didn't, you know, if they go in and have an argument with the cashier and then um, leave and leave the customer a bad review and not tell the fact that they had a bad experience with the cashier, they're being unfair. If the government sees that a company is operating in a possibly shady way, but doesn't alert the the customers or doesn't do anything about it, they're not living up to their uh, expectations in the, right. in the whole process. If a business doesn't fairly deliver goods and services is not. So we recently, I think I, I did a story on Hertz. Okay. Hertz was having people rent cars and then reporting that the car was stolen. Hertz had a responsibility. Right. Hertz had a responsibility. The government had a responsibility. There was nothing that the customer could have done except not go to Hertz. But they didn't know Hertz was having a problem because not everybody reads the business times or reads the publications. Uh, so the, the um, reporting agencies had a responsibility to make sure it was reported that there right. was a problem. So everybody has some part in making the system best for everybody, but, it, but everybody has to have the same, at least the same intent in, in performing their part. Don't give a company a bad review because you screwed up. Recognize that you did something wrong and uh -huh. that your experience is based on what you did. And that the review that you leave about a company should help the next person understand if that company is doing something that needs to be corrected that you should be okay. avoiding them. So with Hertz, did you determine that they were responsible for the problem? Right. It was it was noted that they that their software was doing the, was was causing the problem. 
I don't know how that happened. Doesn't matter. <laughs> We're at the end of our show anyway. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I saw uh, two or three clips on that with that crazy stuff happened with people getting arrested because of some screw-up that Hertz did, and it just it seemed pretty bad that a company that big would be that that messed up and irresponsible. Right, you know? that irresponsible. And so, and so everybody has a part. I don't want to let anybody off the hook, but, but we, in order to start to work towards building a better system, we have to at least address what we think may be problems, what may be solutions. We at least have to start having conversations about how to make these things better and work and, and who is responsible for what and identifying roles and those kinds of things. Because I'm a because I'm a business consultant, doesn't mean I'm gonna go soft on business because that's unfair. Right. My I don't just work for the company. I work for society. If I see that a company is doing something illegal, do I have a responsibility to report that? If you are working for a company and they're doing something t- illegal or awful to a company, and, I, and the difficulty is where to draw the line on what should be reported to whom and to where. Because if you see something going wrong in a company and, and your light bill depends on you not keeping you keeping your mouth shut we've got a problem yeah for sure because i can't i may want you to tell that the company is doing something wrong but i most certainly have to understand you you're not willing to to, uh sacrifice dinner yeah because you've got to eat so we need to build a system where if you see something wrong, say something. And right. we make sure that you eat. And we make sure that you have clothes on your back. And we make sure that you have a place to stay until you can get your next job. But right now, we don't support, uh, um, what do you call them? Um, yeah, I, I know the word you think. I just can't think of it. Um, it's basically a snitch, but it's, it's basically, we don't, right. It's not a snitch. Let's, <laughs> let's take snitch, that. It's, it's, it's another word. Right. Uh, um, oh, it's right on tip of my tongue. We don't support. Um, anyway, those people. You, that, you're a, you're a Snowden. <laughs> right. A Snowden. Exactly. All righty. We're out of here until next week. I got to get ready to go. Appreciate you being with me, brother. Any last All comments? Right. All right. Any last comment? You, you got a last comment? No, no, I think... Uh, Did we cover it all uh, today? Oh, what, oh, one more, one last thing on the gas. Uh-huh. I know you don't like the company, but they have managed to manipulate some pretty low prices for gas. Who's that? Sam's. 
<laughs> that, that's not fair. That's not. I don't, I don't, what was what was that comment? What did that, well, that have well, to do with you? You put you plugging Sam's? Oh come on! Oh man, are you serious? You're plugging Sam's? Yeah, and I was like, well, I know you hate this company, but you know what? They have pretty good gas prices. Maybe maybe the other companies could. Be as creative and find a way to get. All right, all right, brother. We'll be back next Friday. Thanks. Yeah, next Friday. That concludes this episode of Altitude Adjustment, and thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and Twitch.tv, and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website, thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com/forward/slash/home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes of Altitude Adjustment because it matters. And as always, look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you.